Hi. Hello. Hi. 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 Hello. I'm curious about. I'm curious about. I'm curious about. I'm curious about building open, authentic, loving relationships. I'm curious about polyamory. Does it just mean that you're fucking all the time? How can I tell my parents that my partner is already married? I'm curious about BDSM. Can I break up with my partner and still be friends? How can I become more involved in the BDSM community? How do you know when you're too busy to have multiple romantic relationships? What would it be like bringing up children with my best friend? Hi, I'm Effie Blue, and this is the Curious Fox Podcast. Curious Fox is a community for those who challenge the status quo and love sex and relationships. We're based out of Brooklyn, New York, where we have been hosting monthly socials for the last three years. At our socials, we pick a theme grounded in love, sex, and relationships, and explore the theme through personal stories. This month, we tackled relationship transitions. From monogamy to open relationships... From hierarchical poly to a non-hierarchical structure, transitions come in all shapes and sizes. Do you wonder if you can navigate a conscious uncoupling, or go from being in a romantic relationship to a friendship? Are you in a long-distance open relationship and now thinking about cohabiting? People change. Relationships change. How can you navigate through those changes in a way that honors everyone involved? Each month, a new set of panelists, diverse in identity and experience, share their stories and bravely answer questions from the audience. For a long time, we kept what was happening in the room, in the room. However, we continuously got requests to record a discussion for those who couldn't be there. Respecting the privacy of the panellists and the guests has always been important to us. We thought a lot about how to document the room while maintaining the awesome vibe that enables people to share so vulnerably. After a lot of pondering, we decided an audio-only recording of the evening with opportunities for guests to ask questions anonymously provided a solution for this challenge. So here we are. This is episode one of the Curious Fox podcast. I could not be more proud of our first attempt. The discussion was lively and intimate, and I'm grateful for the panelists who bravely share their stories with us. Everyone was engaged, and we had great questions and some enlightening answers. I really hope you enjoyed the first installment of the Curious Fox podcast. At the end of the episode, we'll share with you how you can be more involved in the podcast and the community. Happy listening. Good evening, everyone. We are going to start. Before we start, I, I love doing this. I, I, I'm always interested in who's new, who's been here before. Can I have a show of hands who are like regular foxes, people who've been coming more than five times? Yeah, we have some in the room. We have an awesome core community of foxes that come regularly. Who's brand new, first time ever, just walked in, might not be sure where they are? <laughs> okay. Um, anybody not sure where they are? Okay, good. Okay, good. Okay. Again, just before we start, I want to say um, we are recording it for a podcast. So we are recording everything that happens in the room, audio only for a podcast. This is our big project for 2019. Various Fox socials have been happening for two and a half years here for the last year. And then before that, we were meeting at another spot in Brooklyn. And we got so much feedback from people who couldn't be in the room. So we, after the event, we normally write these um, cool reports called the Fox Notes. And we blast them out to our mailing list. And we had so many people saying, I wish I could be there. Like, I want to, you know, do you ever record these things? And we, did it for, we didn't do it for a long time for various reasons. And then um, we, at some point, were just like, okay, we need to do this for people. And we have some awesome people who are volunteering their time right now. And, um, and, and we just want to be really respectful of people's privacy. So... 
Um, we also want your participation. This is all about you. Curious Fox is about curiosity. We tell people no, prom- no promises, no pressure, just curiosity. We invite you with your curiosity. Hence, your, actually, your, even your label says, what are you curious about? And our panel are going to share their stories with you. And then we're going to open it up to questions. This is, we're going to have like an hour of Q&A. If you don't want your voice, we don't want you to be... Um, we, don't, we, we do want your questions. If you don't want your voice heard, there are index cards and some pencil, some pens around. You can write your questions and she can read them out and we'll answer them. That's kind of how we're getting about this privacy business. Thank you for your support and understanding. So there's a lot of new faces. So I'm going to give you a quick one of the format. It's very fluid. Today we are going to talk about relationship transitions. So every month we pick a theme anchored in love, sex and relationships. And we, you know, we talk, we explore this through different voices. Um, we work really hard to put together a, a diverse panel in experience and in story, um, as well as identity. And we explore the, the, the theme from a very sort of human everyday, how are the individuals are doing it in their everyday lives kind of tone. We'll start with sort of going down the panel. Everyone's going to share their story with you and, and their transitional relationship transition story or personal transition story. We are going to just ask them questions and, and get a more of an insight into what was working, what was good, how they grew, and all those nice juicy things. And then we're going to wrap it up in about an hour and a bit. So happens every time, so I'll let you know. Uh, people sort of hold their questions back because they're shy. And then we, you know, at the end, we have like quick rounds, right? Don't be shy. Bring your curiosity. Ask all the questions. The panelists are awesome. They've been told if they don't want to answer anything, they'll just pass. Be shy. Ask. There are no bad questions. We'll manage it. You don't have to worry about anything. Everybody clear. Everybody happy. Awesome. Yes. I will do my introductions last because I've just been talking. I want to start the panel off from that direction. Is that okay? And they're going to just go through and tell you who they are and why they're here and their story. Hi, everyone. I love Hello. I love, I love hearing you refer to everyone as foxes. Uh, my name is Alex. I am 32 years old. My pronouns are she, her. So I am here today with my fiance, Ryan, who is next to me. I engaged with the poly world initially about five or six years ago through the kink world. Um, I was in a relationship with someone uh, who is part of a kink dynamic, and he was in a hierarchical relationship that was open, non-monogamous. And I was told that if I wanted to find more resources about BDSM, I should explore um, the poly community because there's a lot of overlap. I did that by going to some community events around New York City, primarily poly cocktails, which if you haven't um, attended, it's a monthly get together for people in the community. I sort of picked it up and and then eventually put it down. I I found that especially uh, being new to the kink world, I, I wanted I wanted the the sense of security that I could get from a, a monogamous dynamic. And then several years later, after I'd been exploring kink for for a period of time, I met my now fiance Ryan. So I guess that was probably about two years ago. Yeah. Throughout that, I think I I tried dating several people who, first of all, were like strictly monogamous and like maybe were kinksters, but like really into spanking, which was like was not my thing. And I would like try and try to make it work. But I found that our ethos did not line up. Like I, I found that uh, when I when I talked to other people who were either open to poly or had been in poly non-monogamous relationships, I was really drawn to their sense of transparency and self-awareness. Many relationships crashed and burned. Ryan and I met each other 
And uh, maybe like on our third date, the topic of monogamy came up. And we both found that we had very, very similar feelings and ideals, which was in the long term for us, monogamy was not sustainable, um, nor was it ideal. I think that I wanted to be in a relationship with someone who who trusted me enough to to sort of like welcome my curiosity and sort of the idea that, you know, they didn't own me or my desire. So we both agreed that, you know, it felt like our relationship was, was going to be um, serious. And uh, eventually we might open up the relationship when it felt like it was appropriate. And essentially that's what happened. Uh, a little under a year ago, we were in a really good place. And Ryan was interested in exploring kink a little bit more. Um, he was a little bit newer to the scene and I wanted him to have that opportunity. Also, I was just super busy. Um, <laughs> which like you would be surprised how many, how much of non-monogamy is about logistics, uh, and, and like convenience. Um, <laughs> I, I had so many meetings. Um, <laughs> uh, so we started inching our way into, uh, non-monogamy and it took several, oh gosh, I'm just chatting and chatting. I'm going to wrap this up here in a second. First it was, well, it's just kink. Um, it's just other people in the kink community. And then, you know, we got on OkCupid and met people who were not part of the kink community, but interested in it. And so it was like, oh, well, then it's just sex. And then um, I met someone who I developed feelings for. And it was like, oh, well, it's like a light relationship. And then <laughs> initially, and then it sort of progressed from there. Um, and there were definitely a lot of really difficult conversations <laughs> that happened because it like I say that now, like, well, and then this happened and then we transitioned. But it was more like I did something and fucked up. And we were like, oh, you're emotionally involved. Like, we need to talk about this now. And so um, it's been a really interesting journey. And I'm just going to. I'm just going to sort of wrap up there for now. Thank you. I appreciate you leaving some of the story for me to tell. <laughs> it's nice. It's nice of you. Very curious to, to hear how you tell it. Yeah. Uh, my name is Ryan. I use he, him pronouns. Um, about a little over two years ago, a little over, a little over two years ago, I was getting out of a long monogamous relationship that ended up being kind of sexless and depressing by the end and when I got out of it I realized this was my last opportunity to explore some of the things I wanted to explore but it had yet mustered the courage to investigate before things started to sag they haven't yet I swear this is <laughs> this is the good version you know you're getting me at really the peak so um <laughs> save your judgments please um so I went on some internet dating sites selecting for people who had a little bit of a little bit of bend in their straw and uh I met my now fiance. You know, I, I, on the third date we did agree that we had deep skepticism about the long-term viability of monogamy. I think we'd both been in relationships that just ended up not working because we didn't feel accepted or some of our needs weren't being met or a combination thereof. And then we shelved that for a while. And then about nine months ago, we decided to open up and we made some really interesting, and by interesting, I mean ignorant decisions, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
One of which was the first thing we did was started behaving as if we were single but had someone we had to tell about everything we did. <laughs> right? So I immediately went out into the world and was like, who wants to fuck? And, <laughs> and my, my, and you know, stop me if I'm telling part of your story wrong. Um, my beautiful, loving, wonderful fiance went out into the world and immediately found a deep and potentially dysfunctional romantic entanglement. <laughs> and, and, you know, <laughs> and, you know, so like the first time I had sex with someone who wasn't my fiance, especially because kink has a, a bit more emotional baggage for many people. It's not true for everyone, but especially for me as I was exploring, you know, that caused a lot of pain and discomfort. And then when we realized that Alex was becoming romantically involved with the, with another person that required a lot of sort of tiptoeing around landmines. One more stepping on landmines, but (laughs) so, so we through a lot of pain and suffering in that relationship. We discovered we were doing something that, that we, between ourselves, we're referring to as, as non-consensual poly. And the way we understand this term is that um, we're following the rules we agreed upon so the pain and suffering is irrelevant. And that, I think, is the big lesson we learned, is that regardless of whether, you th- whether we think we're doing everything right, we have to be present for how our experiences feel and the, and the lived experience of what our polydynamic is like. Because when we're not, we just end up being resentful and angry and in pain while occasionally go on going on dates that we then feel we have to hide from one another. I mean, it becomes it becomes painful in ways that are destructive. And so we took a step back, figured out what we were doing wrong. I went on to have a a, a brief but intense romantic entanglement with someone else and, and we we decided that we would slow down the pacing and increase the communication. And I think that really helped us feel less shitty about everything. We, you know, we did have some moments of like, is this, is Polly right for us? And we're here. So you know how that decision turned out. Um, and that, that brings us to where we sit now. Awesome. Thank you. Hi, my name is G pronouns are she, her. And I thought I would come in today to talk about my conscious uncoupling and then realized I can't do that without telling a whole lot more of the story. So I, at 20 years old, got into a relationship that ended up being monogamous for 11 years. We got married partway through that and moved to New York. And my partner, who I'll call C, now ex-partner, he decided he wanted to leave New York. And so we had this like this choice point of what was going to happen. I wanted to stay here. He wanted to leave, but it was going to be nine months off in the future. So our relationship was not going well. And we realized for both of us, it was best to end it, but not right away. And so in that, I decided to ask about opening up our relationship as a way to get to know myself while our relationship was in decay. And he agreed. We had nothing left to lose at that point because the relationship was already dying. And so we had a lot of beautiful, open, honest conversations and took the leap to opening up. And as we became non-monogamous, we also fell back in love in that process. He found his love again for me. And as we were coming back together, I proposed closing the relationship again. We're like, no, this is giving us so much. Let's keep it open and see where it goes. We didn't really know what we each wanted at the beginning. And of course, that's always shifting. But realized that theoretically... 
And personally, non-monogamy made so much sense to us and that we were each interested in deeper emotional relationships. I also enjoy a lot of, you know, random makeouts here and there, and he didn't care to hear about them. So we learned communication as well in terms of what each of us is interested in knowing about the other. But he was so supportive in in my developing deep relationships and sharing those troubles with him. At first I was hiding all of the like, the, oh, I'm so invested in this other thing. It's scary for him to know. But no, he actually felt more connected to me when I shared what was going on for me. So we became open. We became polyamorous. I developed some long-term partnerships, one of which is still, still around this many years later. We opened up four years ago. And about a year after that seed decided he no longer wanted to live together, but we still wanted to be romantic partners. So that was a big disentanglement for us, no longer having our dogs together, no longer sharing space together. After being together for 12 years at that point, it was heartbreaking. It was so hard. Um, but we supported each other in it and continued to want to be connected even as the form was shifting. So about... Less than a year after we stopped living together, C no longer wanted to be romantic partners or married. And that was a little over a year ago, or gosh, two years ago now, two years, and was heartbreaking. But again, because we had been doing this step by step and with so much love and connection and openness for each other, we're able to continue our connection. So the divorce process took a while for some legal reasons and just like delaying a thing that I didn't want, but then realized I did actually want, you know, when, when he asked at one point, like, do you actually want to be married? I'm like, no, I really don't. So even though I resisted because I felt pushed into it, it was actually my decision as well. And the divorce became final last Friday. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And then we had a two hour phone call on Sunday talking about our relationships and our pain and, he sent me the poems he wrote about our divorce, and I, you know, I shared with him that I was crying with a lover for a whole long time on Saturday, processing the grief of the younger me whose dreams are no longer, uh, but realizing that is the younger me. That's not present me doesn't actually want that. So, uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, so now I have, I would consider myself solo poly. He would say the same for him. I have several beautiful deep partnerships, one for three and a half years, another for two years. Another relationship transition would be going from what I would say French vanilla, not quite vanilla, to very kinky. Um, so thank you, non-monogamy, for that. Um, yeah, and just really valuing having an uncoupling be so beautiful and connected and where we still consider each other family and deep support systems for each other. Thank you, Z. Thanks. That's beautiful. Thank, Thank you. you. Hi, folks. First of all, I want to say thanks to Ryan for saying fuck. I was like, can I say fuck up here? <laughs> <laughs> Ice has been broken, so, like, <laughs> filthy mouth. Get ready for it. Okay, so um, my name's Siobhan. On Grinder. my um, pronouns are listed as boy, girl, etc. Um, I don't care what you call me as long as you call me. <laughs> um. I was introduced to Polly back in 2014. I would say it wasn't peak whole phase, but like the, the, the whole phase was on a downward turn. Um, and like I'd been this like, you know, baby fever mode. Like I'm ready to settle down. I want to have kids like yo, I, I need to find somebody to make a life with because I don't want to be running after a toddler in my 50s. Um, 
But I was in a bar in New York at a Gay Geeks event. Um, GGNY is fantastic. Shameless plug. Two o'clock in the morning, these two gorgeous men walk in. And I'm just, you know, I'm bad at video games, but I like to hang out. So I'm just like dancing, having fun by myself, listening to like Lady Gaga or whatever's playing. And I wound up making out with one of these guys. And then I wound up making out with this the other guy. And it didn't start a fight. And I'm like, oh, this is this is different. Like, you know, I, I'd been a compulsory monogamous my entire life. Like, I, I'd heard the word polyamory, but it, it existed in much in the same way that, like, you know, um, Greek democracy exists. Like, it was some, <laughs> some lofty idea I'd heard of. <laughs> um, so, um, compressed story. Like, we decided, like, we liked each other. They were already dating. And um, we did the long distance thing for nine months. And because they were already seeing other people, that allowed me to see other people during that month, you know, so that I didn't have to be alone. And then um, come September of the same year, I went to visit for two weeks and wound up staying for three and a half years. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things like, you know, towards the middle of the relationship that like, that we all said, oh, like, if we'd known then what we know now, something we would have done differently was, like, you know, it was really impromptu and, like, it, it was a flippant decision for me to stay. Like, I, I went to Ohio with two weeks' worth of clothes, and I only had two weeks' worth of clothes for, like, my first six months there because I hadn't been back to New York yet. I'm from a military family. I'm used to moving around a lot. So, like, uprooting my entire life and moving to a new state wasn't scary for me. What was scary for me was for the first time in my life, like, the the only other people who gave a shit about me were 400 miles away. And so, like, very early on, I'm like, um, so which of you wants to be my emergency contact? Because, like, right now, if I get hit by a bus, they're calling my mom. And she can't get here nearly as quickly as you can. Um and, you know, they knew that they were uprooting me from my life in New York. You know, I um, have a background in theater and culinary arts. And they're like, there's not much opportunity for that here. But we make good money. We'll take care of you. And so, like, ar- arranging, you know, bank accounts and whatnot. And, you know, um, again, emergency contacts and, you know, just figuring out the um, logistics of, how we make the three of us a unit, especially in a universe that only recognizes a couple, especially in a universe where you two have already been recognized as a couple for, I think it was five years at the time. And then, you know, this this um, frilly, bouncy, bubbly black bitch just shows up like, hi, I'm part of the group now. <laughs> like, literally, my first Thanksgiving in Ohio we'll call him John, did not tell his family I was coming. (laughs) Didn't tell them I was coming. Didn't tell them who I was. I just showed up like like some college kid who doesn't have a home to go to. (laughs) (laughs) Luckily, like, like, everyone took it very well. They didn't ask too many questions. Like, (laughs) I I was like, I was like, look, you didn't ask me to lie. I'm not going to lie. If anybody asks me who I am, I'm going to tell them who I am. And, like, you know, um, I'm kikiing with the cousins and, like, the, the under 30 crowd at the Thanksgiving. And, like, you know, by the, de- by the end of the night, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, um, 
your cousin has seen my insides. Like, yo, um, we, we've been balls deep inside each other. I love that man. Like, I, I, I love him with all my heart. And like, and so like, you know, I mean, we, we still kiki. Like, we're no longer together, and I still kiki with his family on on occasion. Um, at, conversely, you know, um, we'll call him Mike. Yeah, Mike. I didn't meet Mike's family. I was in Ohio for like two years before I was officially introduced. It took going it took going to LA for me to meet his mother. And family has always been really important to me. So I was like, I was like, look, you know, she doesn't have to love me, but she has to know I exist. Like, you know, like we have to be at least cordial because if if you expect me to be around for the rest of your life, like I'm not going to hide from your mother. That's not who I am. That's not who I was raised to be. And if you're ashamed of me, then I ain't got time for this anyway. Um, that was that was a bit of a low blow because, like, I knew he wasn't ashamed of me. And, like, you know, it's it's not it's not fair to kick a, a dog while he's down. And, like, I was hitting him where he hurts. But, like, I was hurting because I was like, yo, like, I mean, John did it wrong. But I met his family in the first two months I was here what do you mean you haven't told, like, you haven't told your father about me and, my, and your mother only knows my name? The first time I spoke to his mother, he just unceremoniously threw the phone at me. And I'm like, hi, ma'am. How? I'm like, you know, and I couldn't give him shit about it because I asked for this. <laughs> so I, like, I'm trying to make small talk with a woman that, like, I've never met. Um, but, like, it's, that that was like one of the biggest leaps for us and because i was only supposed to be there for 2 weeks and we didn't have any of these conversations like we were really just like learning as we go and like uh, damage control um and then to add to the situation they were leaders of the local poly organization so i went from having never been poly having only supposed to been in this town for 2 weeks to being the face of polyamory for Southern Ohio. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, it's like, okay, well, damn. Um, black, queer, like, pescatarian. How many slashes do I want to add to my name? But I said, like, you know, I want to do this community justice, and I certainly don't want to lie to these college students about, like, what polyamory is, what polyamory is supposed to be, what polyamory is supposed to look like. So I dived in headfirst, and I was all over Tumblr, and I was reading books, and, like, you know, I'm, I was new to polyamory, but I've always been a people person. I've always been in the theater. I'm, I'm accustomed to diving into the minds of unfamiliar characters, and so I took all that with me, and, like, I, I mean, a number... A number of relationships, it was like, well, y'all seem to make y'all seem to be making poly work really well. Like, can you help me with our relationship? And there were times in those three and a half years where I'm like, we when we're at home, we don't speak. <laughs> it's just that my grandmother raised me that like the nonsense you're going through at home stays at home. And like, you know, especially the only poly faces you know. I, I wasn't going to be the reason that someone said, well, no, obviously poly doesn't work. The one poly um, thruple we know, they're in shambles. <laughs> so, you know, it was, it was about, you know, for a while it was about, you know, saving face and, you know, presenting well until things did get better again. Um, it, long, um, 
at the end of three and a half years, it, it turned out we wanted different things. Um, I what I will say to their credit is that for the majority of a, our relationship, we were very open about our feelings. Um, they called themselves relationship anarchists. I mean, personally, I would. I mean, and maybe this is my own saltiness talking. Um, I'm like, no, you're kind of hierarchical. You just like. What you call yourself and what you practice aren't necessarily the same thing. But um, as people who were relationship anarchists in theory, we attempted to allow our relationship to be what it needed to be in every in any given moment. And we were constantly reevaluating what our needs were, um, the, the shape our relationship was taking. And as new people came and le- went from our relationship, you know, we allowed room for that change. Um, but in the, at, by the end of our journey together, I've always had a very firm idea of what I want in my head. Like my, my end goal is solid. I can see it. It's the road there that I don't know. And that's why I allow, you know, I allow, I allow the, the, the universe to say, hey, move to Ohio with these boys you barely know. Like, <laughs> and, you know, see what happens. But, like, from my perspective, you know, they're on very specific paths, but they lack a vision for where they want to go. And that became very frustrating for me. I'm like, you know, if you don't want kids, that's fine. Let me know so I can make a decision. Um, if you want to spend the rest of your life here, that's fine. Let me know so that I can make a decision. And every time it was time to make a decision, they would kick the can down the road. Another year, another two years. Okay, we're going to buy this house. Oh, are we staying here? No, we're going to buy this house. We're going to live here for five years. And then we'll decide if we want to stay here. And that's fine for them. But that didn't work for me. And eventually it felt from my perspective that I was the one who was always compromising. And... That may or may not have been true, but when you feel like you're the one who's always compromising, that leads to resentment. And to this day, I love them. I don't want to hate them. So I said, in order to prevent me from resenting you, I have to, be, I have to, I have to walk away from this. And then there was the whole transition of decoupling all those things we set up over three and a half years. You know, um, me no longer having access to his bank account. Me finding a place to move out. I mean, they weren't kicking me out, but you're moving into a house. You're, you're um, you know, making a life in this new home. I don't want to set up shop in this house and then, you know, move out in three months. That's not, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, that's not fair to you. As far as they were concerned, well, you moved here to be with us. It'd be, a, it'd be unfair for us to just be like, all right, bye. So, like, we were all very fair about, you know, the decoupling situation, but... For me, I was like, okay, I need to be out of here by the time you move into your new house so that you don't have to deal with, you know, moving my stuff twice or whatever. And I wound up um, moving into a place with some friends on the other side of town for the summer before um, moving back to New York just after my 30th birthday. I my, my farewell to Athens, Ohio was going to Vegas to see my idol, Mariah Carey, and... <laughs> I didn't cry about anything that no. I, actually, in the at the concert, the only thing I sobbed about was how beautiful she was and how close I was to the stage. <laughs> <laughs> N- nothing else existed in that moment. I that's my permanent Facebook profile picture. <laughs> um, and so uh, when I came back from um, 
Vegas. Biggest mistake I, to- I ever made, I told my mother that we broke up. <laughs> um, because I was going to, I was like, you know what? I'm 30 now. I'm going to tough it out. You know, if I got to find some shit job here and save up my money and then move back to New York or move to Indiana with my other partner or move to Atlanta. I have some partners there, whatever I have to do. Um, I'm going to figure this out on my own. My mother said, my mother heard what y'all broke up. Oh, so what are you doing? Wait, wait, you, Oh, you, you don't live with them anymore. Oh, you're coming home. <laughs> She's like, you're coming home. I, I can be there next week. And I'm like, no, nah, mom, I already paid for the ticket to um, Vegas from Ohio. Let me do Vegas first. We'll figure that out when I get back. And yeah, as soon as I got back from Vegas, my mom was like, um, so your stuff's packed, right? Because it's time to go. And so now I'm back in New York because mommy came and rescued me. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Hi. Uh, I am Alan, 30, uh, hetero male, so male pronouns. Um, and my story is, uh, you know, Oddly, not dissimilar to G's, uh, which is funny because I think we met about four years ago around the time frame that you discussed. Um, So let's try and get through this without going through too many detours. Um, I met my best friend when I was in fifth grade. Um, We started becoming closer friends in eighth grade um, and started dating around the senior year of high school. Um, cut to end of senior year uh, or halfway through senior year of college we got engaged we were living in New Jersey I uh, I had a we were already kind of living together uh, in a during like during the summers and, and winter breaks but I was only going to school about an hour away from where she lived or where we lived anyway we got married um, so I was 22 at the time and we lived together in New Jersey on our own for a couple of years. Um, and kind of realized that suburban Jersey life was not for us. Uh, we started looking at homes uh, in New York. And at that point, she wanted to live in a cooperative living space. So we started looking at those. And I don't know if any of you have ever lived in one, but it's kind of tough to find a place to live as a couple uh, in, you know, uh, in cooperative situations. Um, so some of the places that we came across were where we kind of got our first introduction to polyamory as a concept. We ended up moving into our own space with some other roommates and shifting to another space shortly after that. But the, the concept of, you know, non-monogamy stayed as a kind of underlying current in our lives for a couple of years. Then she started to have, you know, she started to feel like she wanted to get out of New York. Um, and one summer she went to work on a farm in Vermont for the summer. Within a week of her going up there, I ended up hanging out at Union Pool, which I did not realize had a reputation, uh, but I ended up making out with somebody at the bar. I, now everybody knows. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we, uh, when I saw her again in person, we talked about it. And the question was, you know, well, did you enjoy this? Is this, you know, a friend of ours had said, don't tell her if it's not something you are going to do again. I told her, uh, not, not specifically because I was going to, but because I enjoyed it. Um, so that started the, I guess that kickstarted finally after years of talking about it, the process of opening up. We stuck around New York for a couple more years. Uh, she continued going back to this farm in Vermont for the summers. 
Uh, we eventually moved out of town uh, and uh, up to uh, Maine with in our own space. And we lived there for about a year and a half, just us. Kind of first time living alone together. And then we realized that that was not the right place for us. So we came back to New York uh, and ended up in a um, community house uh, with a bunch of roommates. She decided to head back up to Vermont this one past past summer. Uh, she was actually asked to go back up there by the, the um, owners of the farm. I kind of had a, a, a moment uh, when she was up there and I was living in this community home that I, I never really wanted to live in a, a big community. And, you know, over the years, there had been a lot of um, just kind of growth and understanding that we we were different. We we're different people. We uh, want different things. We, we love each other very much. Um, she's, you know, my best friend. But I kind of had that realization that I need to move out of this place and not have roommates. Um, you know, us living together when it was in Maine was, was fine, but it just, none of it quite felt right. And, you know, layer onto this, the um, fact that we realized at some point that we had drastically different libidos. Um, so, uh, at some point this summer, we had a long, drawn-out conversation. Uh, I remember I was sitting on the uh, west side, uh, Riverside Park, whatever it's called, near 23rd Street, um, and talked for like an hour and and realized that I should find my own place to live, and she was going to stay up on this farm for the foreseeable future. Um, so where we're at now is we're best friends. We're still legally married. There's no reason to change that. Um, at least for the, you know, there's no reason to change that right now, but I am living on my own here in the city. Uh, she is living up on this farm in her community that she's built and grown over the last couple of years. We see each other, you know, a couple of times a month, maybe, uh, you know, in the winter, she comes down here to be somewhere warm. Uh, <laughs> this, this weekend, this past weekend, she was calls me on Friday. She's like, I, I need to come down this weekend. It's, I, I can't do anything. It's too cold. I'm like, yeah, come on down. Um, so, you know, we hang out, we, um, we, it's, it's pretty platonic at this point. Um, but we enjoy each other's company. You know, I'm now dating as solo poly, I guess is the most succinct way to put it. Um, yeah, that, uh, I think that kind of sums it up. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, awesome stories. I have uh, so many questions. <laughs> um, before I start my questions, um, I do want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for, for all the shares. This is awesome stories and this is intimate and gorgeous and thank you. Um, so I'll give you a short synopsis of who I am because um, I, I do this all the time. So I'd like to give little snippets every time. My name is Effie Blue. I'm a relationship coach. Um, I work with people who are curious about transitioning into or have hit a roadblock in open relationships, non-monogamy, polyamory, whatever they are trying to tackle. I coach around this idea of relationship by design. I think regardless of what our end design is, we should actively and consciously design our relationships um, in a way that we can thrive in them. Um, and thriving looks different for different people. Um, so a good place to start is to figure out what thriving looks like for you. Um, and looks like for your partner or partners, and then design the rest of it around that idea. Um, personally, um, I go by she, her pronouns. 
I practice what people say, what people call, and I lovingly call, um, kitchen table poly. Uh, meaning, um, I have multiple part- loving partners, and um, every now and then we can sit around a table, uh, break bread, hang out, um, share what's going on, uh, and everyone's sort of very loving and 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 caring for one another. I actually have a recent transition in my life. For a long time, my living situation was. Um, my partner and his wife um, lived on the first floor of the building that we live in. Um, I lived on the second floor on my own. And on the third floor were our friends for a long time. So we lived in this building together with separate apartments. And, um, you know, it's it, it's an interesting relationship. That partner and I have been dating for four years. His wife and I are not romantically involved, but very close as, as people, as friends. Um, I consider her to be an ally, a friend, a fellow strong woman. Um, she's, you know, I have a lot of love and respect for her and it's mutual. It's a, it's that to me, actually, out of all the relationships I have in my life, that is the one that is the, 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 the most interesting and different dynamic. It's not something that you see very often. In fact, you get told it should be the other way around. Like if you love the same person, especially as a woman, if you love the same person, you should be, um, fighting. Um, and we don't, we're very loving one another. So this was like this for a long time. Um, he and I were dating for four years. They were together for five years. They got married uh, two years ago. I was actually in their ma- in their wedding as their best ma'am, um, and um, um, and uh, it was it was awesome. And then um, I moved into the second floor maybe two years ago, um, and then. Um, about uh, two months ago, uh, my other partner, my, my, my life partner, moved in with me. That's a big transition because I love living on my own. <laughs> and um, in fact, you know, the only way that the closest that I would ever come to living with somebody else was on the second floor of the building, you know. And but in the last sort of sort of officially the last two since, since November, uh, my my partner lived in moved in with me, thus with us. Um, and we're just in the. So transitioning into cohabiting, also looking at what that relationship looks like now for the four of us. Uh, my partner downstairs and I have a, 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 what I call a legacy relationship, right? It's, it's, it's what I brought into this newer relationship, which is about over a year old. Um, so it's, that is interesting because then sort of I come with this other relationship and, um, and it's, it's been really interesting to see that, re- that legacy relationship transition into now accommodating for this other person that I deeply love. Um, and to see that rela- the, the relationship between my, my partner from downstairs and my roommate partner, <laughs> um, um, get close with one another and, and sort of really um, build that relationship. That's really interesting. And then also just in our relationship. So my roommate partner, um, is like being roommates, right? Transitioning from dating, you know, love, future planning seeing what we you know what what we want in life to now like living in the same roof uh which is very very different um especially you know we have different you know uh, different ways that we think about living and basic like cleanliness that kind of stuff also like tidiness you know all the roommate stuff um and then how do we keep this relationship how do we sort of separate the relationship from the roommate stuff right and how do we manage that transition and not let you know, the dishes in the sink be the thing that splits us up because that's, it's just not, you know, that's not what it's about, right? When you're living together, you sometimes lose sight of that. And then ultimately, like, the, the dishes in the sink is not really that important, right? But the, you have to manage that transition into co-living, uh, which, can be, which can be different. So that's really sort of a little snippet of what goes on with me. But this is not about me. This is about my awesome panel and you guys. So I want to open 
the floor up to questions. Um, I have a bunch, so I, you know, if nobody has one, I'll start off. But I, you know, I encourage you to get your questions in early and upfront. So any questions? Again, so if you are okay to talk, um, just put your hand up and you'll get a mic. Um, if you want a card to write your question on, put your fist up and you'll get a card and a pen. Uh, so hand up for mic. There you go. Fist up for um, paper. No, just fire. <laughs> right. um, so a question for you, Effie. Uh, so when you're transitioning into uh, having a roommate partner, how do you deal with the politics of bringing people home? And do you have rules about that? Um, good question. We, we're very fortunate um, that we actually have a two-bedroom apartment. Um, and we, we're just fortunate that we worked out we, that was possible. Um, it's not something we've had to deal with yet. The idea is that we have that second bedroom is set up to be a bedroom. Um, and I imagine that's what we would use if needed. Um, we, it's not something we, we have, we, you know, we're still tackling the dishes in the sink. <laughs> um, but I, I, you know, I think, um, the, again, the other sort of caveat is we, the way that we live in the building, we have space. Um, and which is so rare for, for, for New York living. We have downstairs, upstairs, third floor, um, multiple, like two bedrooms in our apartment, a basement downstairs. So we kind of have space so we don't have to tackle that issue. Um, we have had, we've, we have had incidents before. And I think what ended up happening is the person that doesn't want to be involved in what's happening, um, went to our guest bedroom. Um, so it was like, this is happening. Do I want to be a part of it? Maybe a little bit. Um, actually, this is not what I'm going to be a part of. I'm going to go and sleep in the, the guest bedroom. Um, and that's kind of how we, how we've handled it in a kind of fluid way. But I, again, I realize that we have space. So if you don't have space, that is a conversation that, that, that you need to, you need to have with your partner. And I want to actually pass on that, maybe like volley that, that question to you guys. Do you, do you live together? We do. Um, do you see people at home? Do you bring dates home? Um, we haven't brought dates home to spend the night unless we are together. Um, sure. However, as a policy, um, if we believe that um, a person is, is going to be someone that we're seeing over a period of time or recurring or turn into a relationship, then we will bring them home for dinner pretty early on to meet the other person. Mm -hmm. And that's been very, very helpful. Mm-hmm. And do you have any, just to, just again, evolving the question, do you have any agreements on bringing dates home solo and then what happens? Who sleeps where? I don't think it's gotten to the point where one of us needs to be sex-iled. Sex-iled? If I'm remembering college yeah. correctly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Like Allie comes home and there's a sock on the door. <laughs> but um, there have been moments where, like, like so the shared calendar is like a is like a poly enabler, right? <laughs> but in a very good way. I'm sure, yes, yes. I'm sure there would be legislation against shared calendars if they only knew. <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> sometimes what I'll do is notice that Alex has a thing one night, and I'll be like, "Hey, is it? Do you mind if I have so and so over?" And we negotiate our boundaries and and what we use the the hell yes or no rule, and so it feels like a hell yes for both of us then. We boldly go. Well, yeah, sure. Yeah, and I found that I, sorry, I, I oftentimes feel very guilty if I have to be away for a long time. And so if I'm going to be out of the apartment until one in the morning and Ryan has a partner over, that's definitely a hell yes for me. Mm -hmm. We figured that out pretty quickly. If, if it helps you. <laughs> 
fucking fair. Yeah. <laughs> it's fair. Yeah. Um, any any other questions? Hi. Uh, I, first of all, I would like to thank Alan, Siobhan, and G for using positive vocabulary when referring to people that you're no longer in a relationship with. That it's a very difficult thing to do. And what I would like to ask you is, like, how did you get to that point? Because I know that when we separate a romantic relationship into something else, it's very easy to fall into that negative space of, like, that relationship was no good for whatever reason. How did you get to that place to be able to comfortably use positive language? I think part of it was learning that just because a relationship ends, it's not a failure. And having to learn that over and over again, because I would still tell myself old stories and then realize, no, everything that we have is still so worthwhile. And it's not really over, right? The story is still continuing. And I think just deeply valuing this person's presence in my life and having someone who knows me so well over such a long course of time, I didn't want to burn that bridge. So I think for me, it was just intuition from the beginning that I still want to be connected to this person. Even when things were horrible, it was like, I still, there's still something here. So just valuing that and working towards it. I feel like my answer is a bit more selfish. Um, I love me and I love the decisions I've made. Um, and um, I wasn't crazy for four and a half years. Like, you know, there were good things about them. And if I step outside myself and say, and like, if I were looking at a friend's relationship, like, okay, it didn't work out, but you know, y'all had a good thing going for a while and I still love them. And I still like, you know, they've infected all my favorite songs. And some days I'll be listening to a song that I've been listening to since I was five years old, but now it reminds me of them and I'm bawling in, in the bottom of my shower. And, like, hating them isn't going to fix that. Um, and, you know, just just because you can't be around someone at, 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 for a period of time doesn't mean you love them any less. Um, I just had to recognize that I loved myself enough to walk away from it. And it doesn't change what we had, even though we can no longer be together. I mean, I still refer to her as my partner. It's no longer necessarily a sexual relationship, um, but she's still my best friend. She's still probably the most yeah the most significant relationship in my life currently um we talk on the phone most days so it's just a, an evolution and thus yeah still love her nice that's awesome yeah hi so this is actually for alex so um a lot of your transition you use the phrase that you actually fucked up in the sense that you were kind of doing it and then realized later on that oh that's something that you needed to talk about do you feel that that was better for finding out what you wanted in a relationship or would you have rather had talked about it beforehand and kind of figured that out later on? Definitely talking. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know that if I would say it was better or just more effective because, um, you know, I found that outside of the monogamous construct, I have no script or understanding of, how to ask for what I need. I have an understanding of like what I should need. And then that gut feeling that's like, Oh, I'm attracted to this person, you know, and I, I, I should shut that down immediately. Um, so oftentimes I just found that I was like, I was acting out of like old beliefs and habits. We, Ryan and I talk a lot about social scripting and how that plays out in our relationship uh, or in our non-monogamous relationships. But um, 
yeah, it was just a gut feeling. Like I, I felt like I was doing something wrong. And so I would hide it. I wouldn't communicate it because that has always been the practice in terms of monogamous relationships. You don't share that, you know, you want to make out with your coworker or whatever. You keep that down. And so it took me a while to figure out that this was a safe place for me to talk about that. And most of the time it was because I waited until that attraction had escalated to the point that it did become a problem because I was then hiding something from my partner who was just like, you know, if you told me the truth, like it might've been uncomfortable and then we would have talked about it. But like in my head, I'm like, that doesn't no, we, the relationship would explode. Um, but it doesn't, that's not what this is about. Yeah. She good. Yeah. To that point. Um, what what made it easier for me was like being involved in queer relationships that that playbook that everyone has was already thrown out the window. And so it's like, okay, we have to talk about what this is going to be because like, you know, you're not going to get me pregnant and I'm not going to have your children and like you are already married. So like, you know, what does you like it it's about it's about shaping this relationship for um for what it needs to be for each of you and creating a space where you're comfortable having uncomfortable conversations. Um, like, and that, that was, that was the red flag for me. Like when we were no, when we were, when we stopped communicating just to keep the peace, that was the death knell for us. So it's, it's about maintaining this, this environment of communication. And um, I want to kind of add to that. I totally agree with you. And I want to add to that and give you almost like the flip side of that as well. So sometimes communication is great. It is the most important skill you can have in life, but definitely in relationships and most importantly in non-monogamous relationships. When you're discussing your relationship and sort of coming out with your agreements and all that kind of stuff, um, there is a difference between what your intellectual mind thinks that that is the right, you know, what you want and what you think you want. And like that, that, and then there is the feeling when it's happening, right? You might have agreed on a bunch of things, you know, on your kitchen table with your pen and paper, right? About what it's going <laughs> to, right? What it's going to feel like. And then you have some agreements and then you actually go and do the thing and it feels awful. It feels awful for you or it feels awful for the other person. So, Talking is great, but at some point you kind of have to experience it and then go back to what you've discussed and refine, right? And when you're doing that, the important thing is to look at those experiences as like ex um, experiences sort of in silo and experiments and, and not make it about the whole relationship. Like it's not about you broke our agreements or like our agreements don't work anymore, but like we had to go, we figured some stuff out, we went and experienced it. It didn't feel good. Let's come back and refine and allow that change, the flow of change. Like we were talking about evolution. We we're talking about change. Allow that change um, to happen and then just keep propping it up with communication revision. And I think that's important as well. Like communication is great, but like do the thing, revise as well. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Hi, how's it going? Um, so I guess my question for actually all of you, because uh, all of you have been in uh primary relationships for a very long time uh i guess yourself uh the longest 11 year, uh 11 years and yourself also for me um i'm my current relationship we've been together 12 years uh monogamous for 11 and then poly for uh the last year for the about yeah for the past year or so so when uh my partner and i started seeing each other social media didn't really exist online dating didn't really exist um, I think at the time, MySpace was the biggest thing uh, that 
So now, you know, uh, getting into uh, poly and, and dating, you know, the dating game has changed. <laughs> so, I, you know, I only recently learned what ghosting was. I had no idea, you know, what that was until it happened to me and I was explaining it uh, to someone. Yeah. And so my question to you guys, for those of you that have been together for a long time, A, when you experience, you know, some of these dating issues that you've never experienced before and are experiencing for the first time, A, do you discuss that with your, or did you discuss that with your partners? And then, you know, what came about that? Or did you just, you know, I guess, keep it to yourself? I guess, you know, what do you choose to share and what do you choose not to share? Um, that's number one. And then, uh, well, it's a, a, a two-part question. So having for myself, having been going to a lot of uh, the poly uh, socials, so, you know, people that uh, either A, you know, ghosted you or whatnot, you're still running into these people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at these socials. So it's like, uh, okay, how awkward. How am I supposed to react to you now? Because mostly if you're not, you know, in the poly scene and you date someone, it doesn't work out. The chances of you running into them. All right. New York City is a small place. Maybe you do. But nine times out of ten, you don't. But some of these people, you're seeing them constantly, constantly. And it's like, all right, you did this to me. So do I bring it up? Do I not bring it up? So I, so how do you deal with that aspect uh, of their relationship? Who wants to start? Who wants to start? Yeah, I'll start because I've got a timely one. Um, so, I mean, it's been interesting for me because we started dating when I was 17. She's really the only person I ever dated until we opened up our relationship at, I was, I don't know, 25, 26. And so dealing with a lot of these things, I guess I haven't had to deal with a lot because my dating had been kind of casual up to that point. Um, just like a few dates, nothing that developed into any sort of capital R relationship. Um, although, uh, recently I've, uh, as I've been more on my own, I've discovered that, um, you know, a, I have a place that I could bring people back to if I wanted to actually the, the first night I moved into my place, I ended up having a date. Literally she came over and I was like, I need to get my couch up. Right. Can you, <laughs> uh, sorry, I don't usually put dates to, you know, manual labor, but she's like, yeah, I can, I can get with that. The interesting thing for me is having come out, come from this relationship that's been, you know, a primary one in my life. Um, I have a, a much more of a, um, a connection between like sex and emotions than I feel like people that are maybe have dated and, you know, had not, not had primary relationships for that long of a time have. Uh, so I had this date and um, we ended up in various states of doing things. Um, but <laughs> I, uh, I didn't want to have sex. I think she was put off by that. Uh, and I realize now that I may, I might not have made it clear about my connection between um, like sex and intimacy and, and, you know, being extremely casual and everything. I did talk to my, my, uh, partner, best friend about that. Um, in, in not directly, but kind of, it's a thing that I've, I've recognized is, is becoming, I'm just becoming more aware of. Um, she didn't, you know, have much feedback to give or anything like that, but you know, she's there to listen and, you know, uh, provide that kind of emotional support in some way. I'm going to be at this woman's house on Friday for a, uh, an event. So I might run into her there. I don't know. I'll, it'll, I'm, I've seen people that like I've had messages with on 
OkCupid or whatever, and like we talked for a little bit, and then they disappeared, or maybe we had a date that was fine. And and I think the general approach to that is just kind of be cordial, you know. Oh, hey, how's it going? And just, you know, it's clear that they don't want to talk about it. I uh, I texted her and was like, hey, like I wanted to follow up on the other night just because I feel like I didn't explain where I was at fully, and she didn't get back to me. I'm like, all right, that's fine. I, I think it's just be cordial, and you know, it didn't work out clearly, and maybe there's no need to push on it for you know what's it gonna what's it gonna bring you yeah so dating for the first time after you know my my former partner c was my third sex partner and i'd never really done much dating so all of a sudden dating for the first time at 31 like that first kiss is like oh my god what is this you know (laughs) so we actually discussed so much along the way my first breakup my partner bought me flowers and like comforted me about the breakup and just held space for the relationships that, that I was experiencing. And so, yeah, we talked a lot about it. Part of it is probably because we had been in couples counseling and he had trained he's a psychologist now. And so we just talk a lot and share all those things. Uh, but I also reached out to him when I was having a, you know, after our partnership ended and having a conversation with a current partner that might be shifting the relationship and being really uncertain about things. Like I absolutely go to my ex and talk to him about as much as he is willing to listen. But that's also a big piece, right? Of like, how much does he actually want to hear? How much do I want to share? And that's been a moving target along the way. Uh, But I found it very valuable to be able to share while also like learning that sometimes it's not the time and finding other outlets to share. Like learning early on as my, you know, excited extrovert butterfly self i like come home and i wanted to tell him everything and he didn't want to hear it he was you know like introverted doesn't care about this like random makeout i had so i called a friend on my walk home instead and like learning yeah learning those kinds of dynamics in terms of continuing to see people at the in the community yeah it's gonna happen and so always cordial and kind of trusting that everyone is taking care of themselves so if this relationship ended or we had like a hard thing and then neither of us uh wanted to talk about it or I could sense that this this person I went on you know like two dates with didn't want to talk about it. I was like oh okay that's just not a good fit I need the relationship to be able to like engage with those hard conversations so okay that's not going to happen but sure we can see each other and hug and maybe kiss at a party maybe not um yeah just trying not to have hard feelings and you know finding someone else to talk to about it if I if I am really upset not bringing it out into public I specifically asked my partner the other week, like, how much do you want to hear? That's a great question to ask. Yeah. Um, I, I find, um, um, I talk, so as a part of my job, right, so I'm, I'm also, my own relationships are a bit of a, a lab myself. Like, I'm always, like, analyzing, looking at them. And I do speak to my partners about dates and, and many other things and about how I feel about other relationships, like, my other relationships. What I find the most valuable thing, why I do it, is the feedback that I get. Because sometimes you you don't have that outside perspective, right? So one of my sort of favorite things is like a, you know, personal development, like relationship nerd is um, you can get into like a loggerheads with one partner and it's like it ends up becoming a, you know, you said, they said about, you know, you, um, you know, you're really critical. No, I'm not. You're really critical. No, I'm not. Right. When you have two partners going, you know what? You're a little critical. Right. <laughs> and you're like, you're like, ah, oh, okay. So, uh, there's two of them and there's me and they have a, you know, I'm the common experience. So maybe I should listen. Right. So one of the, you know, I think just why you want to share is, is, and I'm just saying this, like why, like being clear about why you want to share is, 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 
helpful, right? Do you just want to download or like, do you want to, what do you want out of it? And being clear about that with your partners, I think is helpful, but whether it's dates or other relationships and that kind of stuff. Um, I, I do it mostly for self-reflection because it's like, I get two different feedbacks. It's like doing a survey, right? Um, and I'm interested in the, the, the common sort of the common feedback. Um, and then in terms of, bumping into people who ghost you um with the com- with the poly community in new york city are small and people date one another um this is gonna happen you're gonna you're gonna bump into people that you've ghost that they ghosted you or you, you know or people that you dated went on a couple of dates with and it didn't work out or had a long-term relationship with and now uh you know dating your best friend it's just the nature of the community um and i think you just learn to be cordial and you kind of um, exactly all the things that, that you said. You're just like cordial, you're res- respectful. Um, you, you know, you, you're as close, as far from them as you like. So I would say. Anybody have anything to add? I mean, like, before I knew I was poly, like, the gay world, the gay world in New York City is positively incestuous. Like, mm-hmm. like, and the, and the more, the more, the more, like, um, specific your community is, the smaller that pool's gonna be. And unless you want to be downright ostracized and be like, you know, the crazy bitch of the group, like you just let that go. It's like, oh, like, you know, I'll I'll wave and say hello when we see each other at a party. And if you turn around like you didn't see me. All right. Then like we won't talk tonight. Like, that's fine. There's plenty of a dick in the sea. (laughs) Um when it comes to like t- telling your partners about other dates, like um, one of my partners was really into it. It's like, oh my god, dish, tell me everything. What, what color was his eyes? Like, what did y'all eat for dinner? The other partner, he like, you know, it didn't upset him, but like he didn't really give a damn about the other people I was seeing because like we were into different types, and so he's like, that person sounds miserable. I don't like. Did you have fun? I'm glad you had fun. <laughs> Uh, but like um, it's it's a matter of knowing your partner well enough to know how much they want to hear and also as as someone who's like as your partner that it's like having a best friend like you're gonna want to tell them things and they're gonna want to hear things and like you play with how much of that is allowed for the two of you and sometimes it could also be I think this is what you were talking to Alex is like um but if you leave it too late, by the time you're talking about it, you're kind of dropping a bombshell. Like when you're like, oh, I met this person and there was a connection, it's much easier to talk about than like three months later. I mean, like, I met this person, there was a question, there was a, there was a connection, we went on, you know, three dates, we've had a, you know, a sleepover, I think I'm in love. Um, here you go. And you're like, whoa, 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 where does that come from? Right? Like that comes from nowhere. And then that's way more like, fe- feels so much more bigger than like this kind of drip like like communicate with the change right so i met somebody there was a connection i think i might you know ask them out for a date you're not asking for permission as such but you're just like communicating the change right so by the time you're saying i think i love this person the your, your partner that you're talking to isn't like in shock and like doesn't know what they're doing and like feeling really unsafe and insecure all that kind of stuff so like that drip conversation if it, if it makes sense within your relationship um of course, you can agree with your partner to have a you know don't ask, don't tell, or whatever you've agreed to is is um, that's what you should go by. Um, if you're thinking about like best practice, that would be kind of my my suggestion. I want to add one thing about getting ghosted. Um, <laughs> as an expert on the subject, no. <laughs> 
Well, I so so I have a a headless kink profile on OkCupid, and a lot of half the people I match with are like, "Ooh, kink! What is that?" I'm actually terrified. Um, you know, and when when that happens, my number one coping mechanism is to complain to Alex about it. And to her credit, she's always like, "That person's stupid." And I'm like, "You're right. I feel better." Um, <laughs> however. What I what I noticed, you know, when I when I made my debut into the dating world after a, a previous long term relationship that that was not ideal for a couple of reasons, I noticed that I got attached to other people ghosting me when I felt that I hadn't hadn't accurately portrayed who I am, and I got attached to that rejection because I was critical of how I had behaved myself. And, and so when I, so I, I think a lot about being integral, both in, in communication, in, in interaction and living my poly life and my dating life and my kink life, according to my values, so that when someone else ghosts me, I, I can reasonably, I can say with a straight face to myself that there are a lot of reasons to suffer the in like the Buddhist suffering, right? Life is suffering. Uh, I cannot possibly understand or predict what's going on for another person, but I can be compassionate to whatever thing was happening for them that made them want to avoid a deeply unpleasant conversation, even if that conversation consists of, hey, not feeling it, you're great. You know? I don't want to imply that everyone that I go on a date with has this deep existential moment of suffering. Right. (laughs) Not exactly how I want to market myself in the world, but I do try to have, you know, present evidence, not excluded. I do try to like take a little bit more of a global perspective on, on, you know, like you never know what these people are dealing with. And that is a really good excuse for me to be cordial and be kind when I see someone else in the world. Now, when I behave out of integrity with my own values or do something stupid, that's when I'm like, please don't reject me. I was just being stupid. You know, I'm sorry. And that's when, you know, I thought about this because you said that text message, right? You said, I think I need to explain this a little better. And whenever I've never gotten a response to that text message, but I've sent it multiple times because that's an integrity thing Mm -hmm. for me, you know? Sure. Just one more thing about communication. Um, Ryan and I, found that in the beginning we were so thrilled and excited it was like christmas morning we wanted to talk about poly all the time and so we were talking about okay cupid we were sending each other screenshots etc etc um and then we were sometimes doing that in the middle of the work day sort of just gliding past the fact that some of these conversations might be emotionally fraught for the other person and you have no idea when you're going to cross that boundary but you might have just derailed the other person's entire afternoon and now you have to have a two-hour conversation to pick that apart um so and we oftentimes were working from home together at the same time like <laughs> like in, individually on okay cupid in different rooms and then running into the other room so uh essentially we very quickly realized um that we needed a container for those conversations and we literally use that phrase hey can i open the container right now is now a good time because one i have the attention span of a gnat fly and ryan might bring up something that like requires my attention he needs my attention um and i need to be in a place where i can devote that attention to him um and be prepared that it might be a longer conversation so i i've found that really really helpful because i i can often say like 
no, I don't, I don't want to talk about that right now. I got to, I got to like take a nap or something. Can we talk about this in two hours and then, and then I'll be ready. That's, that's really good. And I'll add to that in a little bit. Um, is just talking about poly all the time. Um, that does happen and like find other things to talk about to, um, to like ease it up sometimes, especially because you do have to talk about the, the, the relationship conversations. Like it happens, especially when you're setting things up at the beginning. And if you have multiple relationships, what you end up sometimes is in just that's what all you think about. And that's just what's occupying your mind. And that's exhausting. That's exhausting mentally. That's exhausting emotionally. So like, find a hobby you know start start doing something else and just don't make your like don't make your whole life your relationship your identity how you spend your time mental energy effort just relationships and this is coming from a relationship coach so i'm telling you you know like just watch out for that and also connect over other things connect over cooking connect over your friends connect over other things as well as this you know poly relationship that you're nurturing as well as well i would say there's another question over there um, so it sounds like most of you have been in pretty long-term serious partnerships. I'm curious if you've ever had moments where one of your new partners does something or says something or just their existence triggers your existing partners in a way that makes it really hard to, like where you almost have to force a choice between your current partner and the new partner or where uh, it could be that like in navigating the presence of a new partner, especially if you're early in this existing relationship, you can end up hitting some snags where you say or do things that make for problems in the primary dynamic. Um, how have you navigated that? Um, what would you recommend? Um, basically, what happens when you trigger your partner with the existence of other people and does it force the end of one of the two relationships? <laughs> So, so like I said, like, you know, like this was my first poly relationship when I, when I jumped in head first and was like, all right, screw it. We're doing it. You know, I get you like, screw your feet. Let's get our neck wet. And for a minute that, and I don't know how to swim. So like, I wasn't even treading water. Like, yo, I was drowning for a minute there. Like I didn't understand what I was getting myself into. And, um, one of my partners, other partners had been around longer than I had. But for whatever reason, did not choose to live with them. And like, we like, um, we, we, we had to like figure out like what we meant to each other and how we were going to be around each other. Because, you know, I had this lofty idea in my head. Well, well it's Polly. So we're all going to love each other and live on this big hippie commune and everything's going to be perfect. And, and they were like, no, like, uh, you're cool and all, but like, um, I don't want to date you. And like, I don't necessarily want to be you around you very often. And I was just like, what? Uh, now we're best friends. But like, at the time I was just like, I don't know if any of this is going to work. If, if like you, if, you, if they can't love me, then, then like, they're going to taint your idea of me. And then like, you know, this is all, this is all for not. Why are we here? Uh, but like, it, it really, it, you have to circle around back and say, wait, 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 wait. Is this, is this a we problem or is this a me problem? And if it's a me problem, then, you know, okay, take some time, self-reflect, come back, come back a new person and see how you feel again. And, um, one of the, one of the nuggets my partner gave me, um, when we were together was, um, whenever a new person comes into a relationship you're not adding a person to the relationship that old relationship dies 
and the three, four, five of you are starting something new together. Um, your your past is still there. Your past is still important, but um, in order to create something that's sustainable, um, you know, you can't say, oh, well, you know, we're watching Doctor Who because it's Tuesday night and we always watch Doctor Who on Tuesday night. You don't have, you, you either love it or shove it. Like, it, it's a, um, it's about making that space for one another, making that space for, you know, I mean, dealing with moving in with one partner and it's like, I don't like the, I don't like the way you leave your toothbrush on the sink covered in toothpaste. You're gross. Like double that <laughs> or triple that. And so it's, it's really about, you know, owning what's your problem and then working through what's our problem. I, um, so I misspoke before I, I did have one, uh, relationship in this time that I've been with my partner that was uh, a bit more significant. And that was probably the, the, not probably, that was definitely the, the most challenging one, um, in that, uh, my, my partner, best friend values time spent together, um, very highly. And so there were some, uh, points of, uh, um, there were, there were some struggles, uh, when the three of us were actually together because, uh, this partner that, uh, not my best friend, this other partner lived out of state. So she would come and visit occasionally. Um, and, uh, I think that dynamic, not quite working well. And the, the challenges with, uh, time spent actually end up being one of the things that caused that long distance relationship to end. Um, that being said, uh, with this new evolution of, of my current relationship, uh, into some, you know, me being dating, you know, dating more as solo poly, but still having, uh, this, you know, intense emotional relationship with my best friend. Um, I can't say I'm specifically looking forward to figuring out all the things if I should come into a, uh, another strong emotional relationship, because I'm, I'm certainly open to that. We've discussed that theoretically, that'd be fine for me to, you know, move on to. Um, but I, I am aware that that is going to be a challenge. You don't have to, I'm just, it, it, it seemed that you had something to add. I wanted to make sure well, you have something. I some. feel like Ryan believes I have something to contribute here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to, <laughs> I'm sorry to speak for you. Um, yeah, I, uh, I think it's a great and it's an important question and it's something to think about. And um, I, I feel like we have each been on both sides of that equation. Um, initially, I was... Uh, seeing a man um and romantically things escalated it was essentially it was like the first guy that i went out with you know once we'd opened up it got fairly emotionally involved very very quickly and ryan and i had uh agreed on physical boundaries for each day we would discuss it at length and then you know that's like in theory you know as you were saying earlier versus in practice um and then um i would come home from that date and, um, we'd have a lot of really, like, I, I could see that Ryan was in pain, that it was, it was really, really challenging. And I thought throughout, well, like, well, I didn't do anything wrong because I did all the things. In fact, I did less, like we only kissed once, you know, um, it took, it took that happening over and over and over and seeing, you know, like, I think for a while too, I just thought like, 
Well, this this has to do with with like this is Ben Brian's side of the street. Um, not not that like maybe we need to rethink the way that we're approaching this because you're the person that I love and you're in a lot of pain and maybe like just the logistical sort of physical boundaries are not enough. Uh, Ryan talked about consensual versus non-consensual poly. Like when Ryan started seeing someone who he was emotionally involved with, you know, very quickly who he could see, you know, becoming a, like a secondary partner. I experienced a lot of that pain and thought, you know, felt like I was dying. Um, And we realized really quickly that, that um, we were moving way, way too fast. In fact, like everything that we'd ever learned dating uh, monogamously didn't often those things did not apply. Um, So we needed to establish proper boundaries, which were like no texting every day in the beginning, because that pulls us away from each other. Like space that out. Don't, don't get super stoned off of each other's pheromones. Like, wait, Um, you know, see each other once, wait another two weeks, then go out on another date. And like when Ryan met someone who was like really, really lovely and was like willing and generous enough to step back and slow it down. Um, what I think a friend of mine said, it was like, if the relationship ended with that person, it was like, they'd be crashing driving 17 miles per hour versus 70. Um, so we decided to take it very, very slowly and found that, um, physical boundaries weren't enough. If the other person was in pain and it was not a hell yes, we needed to reconsider our approach. Does that? Yeah. Um, you know, just to respond specifically to the language you used, you were using the word trigger and, and I think that means different things to different people. For me, I have a lot of baggage, um, behind my chair. No, I have a lot of baggage. <laughs> In my past about abandonment and inadequacy stuff, and that's like like perfect storm in, in polyland. And so – and I think this speaks directly to what you said about me versus we. Because I've been to just enough therapy to understand my problems and not fix them, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I decided that it was all a me problem. You know, and and so I wasn't I didn't have the tools to stand up for the fact that I thought there was something about our relationship that was creating this this unnecessary amount of of pain. It took me getting involved in a romantic relationship and and Alec experiencing that same suffering for us to realize that we were doing something wrong. So so I think the the most succinct version of our answer is like if it feels like it's forcing a decision point for you, then there might be structural flaws in your approach. And that's not going to be true all the time because there are people who have had to make hard relationship choices. When we started getting close to the bandsaw, we realized it wasn't because we needed to make that choice, but because we, we um, had, had set up the, the systems the wrong way, if that makes sense right way might not necessarily be your right, right way you just gotta play with it <laughs> this is um just uh, this is the, the the whole relationship by design you know idea is like you have to figure out your own design um, you have to go through the process and figure out what's right for you yeah so so i have a question um we've been talking a lot about like say you're 
your nesting partner or your primary partner or the person that, you know, you are opening up this partnership with and how you make it work with them and being sensitive to each other's emotions and things. But I, I feel like there's a lack in, in talking about maybe the other people that you're bringing into, you know, this fold of, of your, you know, whatever your structure is. And I find that like, you know, my partner and I, we date together as well as like with the possibility of like offshoots. If there's like, you know, only a connection between like a couple of the other people and like, you know, totally like there's no reason to stop like a, a beautiful relationship. But I find that, you know, especially people who are trying to understand polyamory and who are monogamous and they're like, oh, like, how is this affecting your relationship? And like, isn't this thing like tearing you apart and jealousy, blah, blah, blah. But they never think about the other people. And I think the other people as, you know, in terms of like coming into something, sorry, um, that is preexisting, um, have the harder, you know, just yeah sure but just they have like they they have they have you know maybe not harder or just as difficult of like you know a thing to uh deal with and so you know there was this one instance where somebody was like oh like we wanted to progress to being more intimate and she was like oh well like really like uh, my partner wants to meet you first and to me it was like fuck you I'm not dating your partner. Like, cool. Like I, you know, I want to respect these boundaries, but also like, this is, this is our relationship and your partner like is of course, like something that is in, you know, your other realm. But the fact that it's like invading this is kind of almost not seeing me as an individual person. You know, and so like we try to like be very mindful of that because also like people coming into like a pre-existing thing is like moving to it's like if you ever move to a different like school and you get into a group of friends that already have like a history and they'll have their jokes and stuff. And you're like, I really want to like I wish I knew all your inside jokes, but you don't. And so you feel like a lesser friend. I feel like that's like something that everybody can like, you know, um, uh, I don't know empathize with and i've been talking a lot sorry but anyway i, I want to hear your thoughts on like you know seeing these other people as as people and you know i feel like putting boundaries on like how often you can text somebody is almost not seeing them as necessarily like even the possibility of them being like a true partner um not letting that flourish i don't know thoughts <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate the question it's bringing up a few different situations for me that i wanted to share and this is also coming from the perspective of someone who values kitchen table poly and non-hierarchical poly so even when i was with the nesting partner we were aiming towards non-hierarchical which was actually quite difficult to do for us when we were nesting so just all of that is context um, but i have found in new relationships especially when they have existing partners i ask okay what are what are our boundaries where where, where are spaces where this relationship cannot go? Because I need to know that early on before my heart is on the table. So one of my new lovers has a nesting partner. And I didn't know what that would mean for the depth that we can go. And I learned where, where they're at, but it actually doesn't impact the depth. So I am willing to go forward, but I have to ask and find that out first. Um, I had the situation of 
when my ex-husband and I were living together and I started a new relationship with someone that three and a half years later I'm still with. But at the time he was nesting with someone and I was one of several partners he had. And I felt very secondary, tertiary, had to deal with a lot of pain in that process and was scared to talk about it for a long time because I was still new and didn't know what was up. But I I hear you and really want to make sure that we value all of our people, regardless of how long we have been with them, what our titles and labels are. But we're, we're all people and in this connection space together. I love people, but I love myself the most. And um, I was, I was, you know, I, I, w- I was diplomatic, but I was very stern very early on. I said, look, I love you. I want you, but I don't need you. Um, and if you're not going to treat me like you want me here, then I can go do other things. And I, there, I mean, a transition for me was going from being this outsider coming in to being the insider bringing in other outsiders. And like, um, someone mentioned to me the campfire rule, which I, um, which I value very much, you know, um, leave the space better than when you found it. Um, and so, especially, I, I call myself the the gateway drug of Polly. Like I, <laughs> I keep coming across these people who are monogamous and like we're friends, and they're like, "I've never done this Polly thing, but you seem pretty cool. Let's try this out." And I'm like, "Okay, kid gloves. All right, what does Polly mean to you? Okay, what it would like you know, uh, how involved do you want to be?" And like I, I'm I'm very much about making the new partner welcome like you know like i was saying before you know your old relationship is dead and the relationship now is whoever was involved before and this other person not plus this other person and it's because if you don't make that person feel included if you don't respect that person's um boundaries and desires then they're not going to stick around long and so you're just going to have a string of these short-term partners who all wind up feeling like you you used to them and so it's 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 pay attention to people pay attention to their needs and like um your your partner is always going to be like I, i mean structurally speaking like you know if y'all pay a mortgage together like there are going to be some things that you know you have to refer to your partner for that you don't have to refer to your boyfriend for but it's about making sure that you know that boyfriend still feels important that boyfriend still feels loved that boyfriend still feels like his opinion matters yeah i think i also want to add i've actually been that the 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 I've moved away from um, primary and secondary language in my practice. I, if I'm dealing with a, a couple who are sort of looking at outside relationships, I go, I talk about core relationship and auxiliary relationships because I feel like the primary secondary is, has its connotations and, and, you know, the words that we use affect our behavior. So I, you know, I understand the definition that they want to have. Um, but because of the value, because of the, the, value in the human that you're dating that's why i've moved away now we talk about core relationship and auxiliary relationships and i've been that auxiliary relationship for the like my longest poly relationship is i'm you know they you know they're now married and i'm the third person um and i i have a very clear idea of what i want as an auxiliary partner um and so i like what g said i check in with like what is what is your relationship 
w- w- what's available, right? And 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 I think like if I match that availability, do I have my needs met and, and my expectations um, met? All that kind of stuff. And I think as a if you're you know if you are in a if you are the part of the core um, couple and you're dating, I think you do need to explain that to your the people that you're dating. And I think again, then they have the choice of you know if you're saying. I need to check in with my partner every time I we schedule a date. You know, I need to, you know, we we have a thing about taking things really slowly. Like those are the things that need to be discussed up front so that you can value those people, I think. And I think, you know, then the people that you're dating are, they know what they're getting themselves into. And I think that's really important. That's the best thing. And as the person who are dating, you, you also need to know what you need and be able to like, be able to say no to a relationship. It's not available. Like a lot of the time I, I hear people in pain saying, I just want more from this partner where they don't have, you know, they have this other partner or they have other partners or they have restrictions. You know, it, it's just, it might not be right for you because it's just the, what, the availability that you need is not there. So it's worth, it's worth thinking about. We're running out of time. There's always more questions that we have time for. So just because the event is almost over doesn't mean the conversation has to be over. We have lots of ways that we want you to connect with us. So if you see there are signs everywhere, we are on Facebook, we are on an Instagram, we are recording this. So there's a podcast, we are on Patreon, where if you, depending on the level, you'll be able to ask us specific questions and do Google Hangouts or get videos with your specific answers. And so there are a lot of ways that if you didn't get to ask a question today, if something comes up later, if you and your partner or partners have conversations and something gets triggered, there are a lot of ways for you to continue to be engaged in this community outside of the events that happen monthly you're awesome thank you thank you this is perfect because i have some thank yous uh, before we wrap up this this particular um, part of the our event so before we sort of wrap up there are some thank yous first and foremost uh, my panelists thank you so much it is you know thank you um Curious Folks is about this. You know, it's not about us. We just put chairs out and send out Facebook, uh, Facebook invites. It is about this. And, and we, you know, we talk about how people bravely share. And that's, that's what they do. They come and bravely share their experiences and answer all the questions. So thank you so much for doing that. Appreciate that. And there are some personal thank yous. You just heard from Jackie. She's awesome. Um, Jackie's my collaborator, my very new collaborator at, at Curious Fox. I've been doing this for two and a half years. Jackie joined about a month ago and uh, life has changed <laughs> in a good way. So um, she's now an integral part of Curious Fox organization, community. Even the foxes who've, who know us say hi to her here. And I am very grateful for what she thinks. Thank you very much. I also want to thank my assistant, Laura, who's at the back typing away, also made it happen. Thank you, Laura. I want to thank Thomas, who's doing the recording in his own time. So I really appreciate that. Quick thank you to Levi, who um, spent a lot of time with me, advising me on podcast stuff. WeAreCuriousFoxes.com is our website. I mean, our um, social media handles on Facebook and Instagram are the same. And same with Patreon. We are Curious Foxes on Patreon. This is something that we recently set up. Goal is that we, again, keep hearing from folks that maybe they can't make it into the room or they're not in New York or they're somewhere else or I want to share this with a friend and so we want to make this information and this community accessible as much as possible and get engagement as much as possible and so with Patreon there's going to be different ways in which you can engage and support the work that we're doing this is not a lucrative experience (laughs) this is just right this is us really just caring about this work and so doing it and so all the money that you give via any of the platforms really just helps us continue to do this and expand this and do more topics and more events etc so yeah, and we love you, and thank you for being here. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious. Stay curious.